and welcome to a special edition of ABI Podcast, where we're looking ahead to the ABI's annual spring meeting. I'm Melissa Jacoby. I'm the ABI Resident Scholar for the spring 2016, and I'm also a law professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Today, I'm talking to Scott Wolfson of Wolfson Bolton in Troy, Michigan. He will be moderating a panel at the annual spring meeting on DNO and ENO insurance policies in bankruptcy. Welcome, Scott Wolfson. Hi, Melissa. Glad to have you here. So maybe you can start by telling us who else will be on this panel. Who are we going to hear discussing the issues that day? Sure. I've got, uh, I've got three others with me, and they're really, truly experts in the field. I've got Jason Horwitz. He is with uh, an insurance company called JLT Specialty USA. He leads their special situations group. So he has an interesting background. He's worked with a couple of large firms in bankruptcy matters. He's actually an attorney. So he brings a keen understanding of our issues uh, that we face in a bankruptcy situation. I've got Rob Feinstein, managing partner of Pacholsky's New York office. And I also have Scott Avila. He is the CEO of Armory Strategic Partners. Scott's an advisor and he is, uh, you know, he does a lot of work in the trenches with these kinds of issues. So it sounds like this panel intends to really get into some nuts and bolts as well as issues getting litigated in case law. So what are some of the nuts and bolts problems that you encounter in this area that, that others may not be aware of? We definitely hope to get a lot of practical takeaways for the folks that are going to be joining us. So it's, I mean, it basically starts when you get involved in a troubled situation. Just getting a copy of the DNO policy can sometimes unexpectedly be a challenge. And I think that's because when we get in situations, a lot of times, you know, the place is basically on fire. Uh, in the past, I've been assured that the DNO policy is, you know, it's a good policy and, you know, you can check that box at a later date. And then I've gotten the policy only to realize that it provides two kinds of coverage if there's an ERISA issue or if uh, one of the directors or officers is kidnapped in Mexico visiting the Mexican plant. So the first step is getting the policy and doing an audit of that policy to make sure it provides the coverage that's needed in a troubled situation versus kind of an off-the-shelf policy. So I've heard you mention things like side A, side B, side C. What is that all about? Well, we'll talk about the typical structure of a policy. And a DNO policy usually provides three types of coverage or three policies, side A coverage, side B coverage, and side C coverage, like you mentioned. So side A coverage is a very important coverage. That generally provides coverage directly to the directors and the officers for their personal liability when they're not being paid or indemnified uh, by the company. So a lot of times in the situations we're involved in, a company may be financially unable to provide a reimbursement or indemnification to a director or officer. So that's, that's the side A policy. Side B coverage is an indemnification policy that provides reimbursement to the company after the company indemnifies a director and officer. So obviously you've got a solvent company in that situation. Side C policies provide coverage directly to a company when the company is a defendant. So one of the things Jason will talk about, he'll talk about some, some fancy insurance products that, uh, that can be of great value when we're in an insolvency or bankruptcy situation. And one of those policies is a dedicated side A policy that provides an additional layer of that side A protection to make sure that these directors and officers have their personal assets protected. So we'll talk about that. He'll also talk about uh, what a tail is, and uh, which is really the ability of a company to purchase 
coverage for claims that are made well into the future for past acts. So a tail, it's it's like an it's an extended reporting period. So for example, if a uh, if a chief restructuring officer took a company through bankruptcy this year in 2016, he or she may want to purchase a tail to cover any claims made long after the fact, possibly through uh, 2022 for the next six years, essentially trying to cover the statute of limitations for most causes of action. How much is the are these issues getting litigated in the courts? Are there particular hot cases, recent cases that we should know about that you're going to talk about? Yeah, I think we'll we'll give a we'll give a lot of updates on some recent cases. I know Rob Feinstein is going to talk about issues and litigation involving timely putting insurance carriers on notice. Uh, he'll also talk about some developments in the area of insured versus insured litigation. I guess an example of that might be where you have a committee suing directors and officers derivatively on behalf of the debtor where both the debtor and the officers and directors are insured. And then we're also going to talk about a case which we all find fascinating out of Delaware recently. It's the Golden Guernsey Dairy Bankruptcy case, which which could have some potential wide-ranging implications. So are there pretty active splits based on jurisdiction, or are we not even at that point for some of these issues? I don't think we're talking about a lot of splits, but we're talking about how extensive potential breach of fiduciary duty litigation could be. So that case in particular, that came out of Delaware, and it was a breach of fiduciary duty case that arose in a Warren Act context. So you have this debtor that operated a dairy and milk processing facility. The company filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. So the state of Wisconsin went in due to a very quick shutdown, filed a, com- filed a claim on behalf of some former employees for um, back wages of over $1.5 million dollars, saying that Wisconsin's version of the Warren Act was violated and that essentially the Warren Act essentially requires advance notice of at least 60 days before you have a massive layoff. So the Chapter 7 trustee in that case spun that into a breach of fiduciary duty claim by suing a couple of the former officers saying you breached your duties to this company, uh, your duty of loyalty in particular, because you were consciously disregarding your duties to put these employees on notice when you knew this company would be closing. So that case, uh, in that case, a motion to dismiss was filed by the officers, uh, but uh, denied, and it, that case is going on. So the reason, one of the reasons I think that that's an important case, I mean, you've got officers facing personal liability, if you distill it to its essence, for the reason that the company violated a statute causing liability to the company. So essentially, if you can extra- extrapolate this and, and, and you can see situations where trustees or creditors committees, anytime there is a statutory violation or an alleged statutory violation by a debtor that has caused or may cause liability to the debtor, the estate representative should really scrub the circumstances of that violation to determine could this potentially, uh, could another avenue of recovery be suing these directors or officers uh, for breach of duty for either causing or failing to act, uh, resulting in the causing of this liability being incurred? So that's that's when we intend to have a little bit of fun with, and I actually hope to have an, uh, uh, an article in the ABI Journal on that case in April. And what's your what's your takeaway, if you can give us a preview on that article? Yeah, my takeaway is that it should do two things. Number one, it should uh, cause even more heartburn for 
directors and officers that are getting into a troubled situation. Um, so uh, making it even more important that your DNO policy isn't off the shelf and provides for what needs to be covered in a distressed situation. And secondarily, uh, when I think about our representing trustees and committees, uh, I get excited about the possibility of potentially having another course of action to explore that maybe isn't currently being explored. So I think it could have some wide-ranging implications and uh, could cause some more litigation. The description of the session promises to discuss things both uh, common and esoteric. So I was wondering if you could, if we could end by you giving us an example of one of the esoteric issues, if it hasn't been mentioned already. From my perspective, the esoteric issues get into the guts of a policy, which, which Jason Horowitz will talk about when we start talking about, okay, you've, you've got side A coverage, which covers the directors and the officers directly, but is it sufficient? How do you go about ensuring that the directors and officers have sufficient coverage? And there are these products that certainly I hadn't heard about, for example, dedicated side A coverage to protect them in an insolvency situation. So for me, the more esoteric issues directly relate to the inner workings of the policy. But we'll also touch on some of the insured versus ex insured exclusion litigation that I expect Rob Feinstein will get into should also be a little complicated. Well, it sounds like this is going to be a great panel, and this is a good place to end our discussion for now. So thanks, Scott Wolfson, for the preview. Sure, you're welcome. I'm looking forward to it. And thanks to the listeners, and hope to see you there at the ABI Annual Spring Meeting. Music